This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode where we are going to discuss pituitary pars intermediate dysfunction, uh, also known as PPID or Cushing's disease in horses. So PPID um, is a chronic, it's basically a chronic progressive endocrine disorder. So what that means is basically, so if, if you look at the brain of a healthy horse, Um, the hypothalamus is supposed to produce a neurotransmitter called dopamine, which ideally is going to regulate the pituitary glands production um, of a hormone called ACTH. And ACTH in turn is supposed to stimulate the adrenal gland to then produce the stress hormone cortisol. Um, Now, cortisol controls um, several functions within the body, um, particularly it's... um, It's needed for the maintenance of blood sugar levels uh, when a horse is fasting. Um, It's also important for the generation of energy during exercise. And it's also important for activating the um, fight or flight response in a horse. Um, And then it does several other important things like um, it plays some roles in detoxification, um, antioxidation, and then also infection fighting pathways. So in a horse with PPID, um, the enlargement of the pituitary gland due to benign tumors basically puts pressure on the hypothalamus, which then causes a reduction in dopamine secretion. And then because of that, um, the pars intermedia of the pituitary gland grows. So it overproduces various hormones, uh, but most importantly, ACTH, which then in turn overproduces cortisol. So at high levels, uh, cortisol actually elevates blood sugar, and that can cause tissues to become insulin resistant. So um, if if tissue is insulin resistant, that basically means that it's not able to control blood sugar levels uh, with the correct or normal amounts of insulin. So it's not really as straightforward as just elevated cortisol concentrations, but the increase in those stress hormones is going to actually play Um, a key role in the symptoms of this disease. So, you know, I want to point out that, you know, horses with Cushing's may or may not be insulin resistant, but many of them are going to trend towards developing insulin resistance over time. So the exact cause of PPID is still unknown. Um, However, it is likely that there are several factors involved. Um, those factors would be like oxidative stress, uh, oxidative stress, excuse me. Um, it could be years of being on a high starch, high sugar diet, um, chronic exposure to toxins, chronic stress, um, and then even possibly just a, a genetic um, predisposition to, to having the disease. So As a horse ages, um, obesity and insulin resistance um, are also key factors that could contribute to PPID development. Um, But this condition can also occur in younger horses. So that kind of has left, you know, scientists and researchers and nutritionists wondering if maybe, you know, maybe we as humans are actually the ones that are at fault in the way that we are managing our horses. Um, 
you know, we know that many years of high starch, high sugar diets and those physical stressors, um, such as performance, gastric ulcers, vaccinations, um, you know, chronic pain, um, all of those things are gonna lead to imbalanced hormonal responses. And stressors like that can actually um, create or cause the downward cascade of elevated cortisol secretion. Um, if you remember from the previous slide, I mentioned that cortisol is a stress hormone. So when you have elevated cortisol secretion, um, you, you can have uh, a development of insulin resistance and then ultimately laminitis. So all horses um, essentially are at risk for developing Cushing's. Um, current estimates are, are that between 20 and 33% of all horses will actually develop um, Cushing's by the age of 20. So that makes Cushing's the most common endocrine condition in horses. Um, so let's, let's walk through some of the symptoms. First, uh, lethargy, you know, that decreased athleticism or, or really poor performance. Uh, secondly would be, you know, muscle wasting or, or a poor top line, you know, that that horse just is not keeping that muscle condition uh, and that, you know, muscle uh, strength and development the way that they should. Uh, probably the biggest one, I think when you, when you say Cushing's, probably the biggest thing that people think in their mind is that horse that's got that shaggy hair coat that does not uh, shed out in the summer. So, you know, delayed shedding and excessive hair growth is, is a really big sign of horses with uh, Cushing's. Another one is what we call regional deposition of abnormal fat pockets. So what that means is these horses um, will, will store fat in specific regions of the body. So that could be, you know, fat pockets on the side of the tail head, uh, maybe directly behind the elbow, um, you know, there, there are different areas that are, are specific to um, horses that, that develop insulin resistance and have this type of a chronic uh, metabolic condition. Laminitis is another one. Um, again, when we're talking about the inability of the body to um, properly regulate insulin, um, you can actually run into a situation with insulin-induced laminitis. Um, so, you know, horses, that tend to get a little bit um, ouchy or tender-footed looking, um, you know, especially if they are on, say, green grass um, certain times of the year, like spring, uh, where they, you know, have access to high sugar, high starch, and they seem to get a little tender-footed. Um, that could be actually, you know, laminitis that they're developing because of their inability to regulate those um, insulin levels in, in their system. Uh, recurrent infections. So horses with Cushing's are not going to, um, their immune systems are going to be depressed or suppressed. So they can get things like soul abscesses and skin infections much easier than, than most other horses. Um, and something that I'd like to point out there, you know, it's really important to make sure that you're getting the teeth um, checked on these Cushing's horses on an annual basis because even just a little bit of food getting wedged or stuck between the teeth um, can lead to an infection that can actually um, turn into a much bigger situation um, and a serious infection in those horses because their immune system is suppressed and not able to, to battle that. So it really can snowball and become a much bigger deal. Uh, abnormal sweating patterns is another um, common symptom. 
And then lastly, excessive thirst and urination. So many of these clinical signs are just a, a direct result of excess cortisol levels circulating in the body. Um, and, and there are several management practices and dietary considerations that we can make um, to help manage these symptoms. So let's talk about those. Uh, first and foremost, uh, work with your veterinarian, of course, for proper diagnosis and a treatment plan. Um, don't try to self-diagnose. Um, you know, so PPID is not curable, um, but if you use proper medical management and meticulous husbandry, <laughs> um, you can reduce the signs and you can um, kind of prevent some of the symptoms that are associated with the disorder. So a really important part of, of Cushing's management is this medical treatment. Um, in particular, the drug um, Prescend is um, the most popular method for, for uh, treating horses with Cushing's. So basically it, it helps decrease some of the hormone production that's happening by the pituitary gland. Um, so several studies have actually shown that Prescend treated horses will have significant improvements in their hair coat, in the frequency of urination, um, the frequency of drinking, um, and then the frequency of infections and laminitis bouts. Um, and, and then also um, many, many laboratory test results. So basically what, what that's saying is, you know, the, the horses are, um, they're less likely to infection, they're less likely to have laminitis, um, their lab tests are better. Um, so Percent is definitely a really good option for treating these horses with, with Cushing's. Um, dietary management, though, is also really important. So uh, with this condition, horses can be either overweight or underweight, but in both scenarios, we want to make sure that we are limiting the NSCs or the non-structural carbohydrate contents of the diet. So as a general rule, you want to make sure that um, the starches plus the sugars, so when you add those up, that gives you the NSC. Um, you want to make sure that in a horse with any kind of a metabolic condition, uh, like Cushing's, you want to make sure that that diet is 12% um, NSC or less. And then just keep in mind that that, um, that value is a total diet value. So don't think about just the grain. That is the grain plus the forage that the horse is eating. Um, and I think that sometimes people forget that, uh, you know, the, the forage is the major part of the diet, okay? <laughs> and um, grasses can actually carry a pretty high amount of sugars in them that people sometimes forget about. So uh, it's important if you are going to um, be feeding a horse with a metabolic condition like this, the most ideal thing would be is if you can purchase um, a fairly, you know, several months of a hay supply all at one time. Um, and then in that situation, you could then make sure that you test your forage, you could determine the sugar content of the forage, um, and then you would know whether or not that forage is going to be acceptable for that horse. And it would also give you a clue as to how much wiggle room you have when it comes to the feed. So if you happen to have a, find a forage that is really low in starch and sugars, so well below that 12% NSC content, then that gives you a little bit of wiggle room to maybe go another percent or 2% higher on your NSC content. So 
again, it's, you know, I mean, it's a little bit of a mathematical equation and you can work with an equine nutritionist um, to help work through all of those numbers. But let's say maybe um, storage is an issue for you. Maybe you can't purchase that much or maybe you can't, you did purchase that much and then you had it tested and you realized that the sugar content is above that 12% NSC, then what do you do? Well, um, soaking your hay is an option. So if you soak the hay for about 30 to 60 minutes, um, that'll typically leach uh, the majority of the sugars out of that forage. Um, and then again, as I said, limit the access to green grass, um, especially um, during the daylight hours, particularly in the, in the uh, later day hours. So essentially the, the more time that grass is exposed to the sun, uh, the more photosynthesis is gonna happen and the more sugar there is going to be accumulated in that forage. So if you, can, if you have to turn your horses out on pasture, uh, you can use a grazing muzzle so they can't consume as much or make sure that you're turning them out in the very early, early, early hours of the morning um, and then pulling them back in, you know, uh, maybe around midday, noonish, so that they're not um, on that grass during those peak sugar hours during the day. So next, uh, we wanna make sure that we're providing high levels of quality nutrients. Um, specifically, uh, organic trace minerals are very important. So in the case of an overweight horse with PPID, uh, you want to make sure to use a quality diet balancer to provide the, the necessary vitamins and minerals um, that uh, will actually be lacking if they are in, on a diet of only forage. Um, the benefit here is that, you know, in an overweight horse, you don't want to add a bunch of calories. So a diet balancer is actually um, beneficial because it pulls those vitamins and those minerals in without adding all of those extra unnecessary calories. Now for the underweight horse, uh, you wanna make sure that you're using a quality fortified feed with, and of course, make sure that you've got that um, total starch and sugar content less than 12% uh, NSC. But basically the reason that you would choose a feed for an underweight PPID horse is number one, you wanna provide the vitamins and minerals, but in those horses, you do need those extra calories um, to help maintain that body condition. And feeds, um, especially if you're providing ones that are low in starch and sugars, those feeds will actually have um, calories added to them that are from fat sources. So fat source calories are actually more dense than starch source calories. And um, they really help keep um, a more even mental state in those horses. Um, a few additional support options um, that can be effective in horses with Cushing's. Um, definitely work closely with a professional equine nutritionist. Um, we want to make sure that, um, that that nutritionist can help determine um, the essentially the appropriate options for the horse. So, uh, for example, general recommendations for a thousand pound horse. Uh, you would want to make sure that you're supplementing with antioxidants. Um, so vitamin E, vitamin C, um, selenium, uh, up to 1,000 to 5,000 IUs per day of vitamin E 
um, up to 10,000 milligrams per day of vitamin C, and then organic selenium. So um, organic selenium uh, should be provided at adequate levels um, in the feed or the diet balancer. But all of these three things together um, have all been shown to be effective in helping reduce oxidative stress in horses. And then one thing I wanna point out, the reason that I mentioned organic selenium is um, organic selenium has actually been shown um, to be less likely to accumulate in the body and reach toxic levels. So selenium varies in level um, across the, the country. So geographically, uh, there are some parts of the country that are really high in selenium, there are some parts of the country that are very low in selenium. And so you wanna make sure that you're staying within um, the guidelines because selenium has a pretty narrow range of where it's deficient and where it becomes toxic. So by using organic selenium in the feeds, it kind of buffers that range and gives you a little bit more safety. Omega-3 fatty acids, such as those that are found in fish oil, have also been uh, found to actually improve glucose tolerance. So those can be very beneficial in the diet, um, along with magnesium and chromium. So with magnesium, you typically wanna feed between 15 to 20 grams per day, and with chromium, around four milligrams per day. So uh, in the total diet, uh, if, if, if you're providing these things, um, those two have, um, have been shown to help reduce insulin levels in the bloodstream and help the horses uh, essentially help them manage their ability to uh, utilize glucose appropriately. And then of course amino acids are the building blocks of proteins and they can help by supporting the development um, and then also the maintenance of that top line and kind of help reduce some of the muscle loss that's common in PPID horses. Um, and then of course, um, in order to help combat the electrolyte loss from excessive sweating and urination, you definitely wanna make sure that you're providing access to uh, cool, clean, fresh water. And then of course, free choice access to a supplement with plain white salt. Um, you know, a good rule of thumb is to feed about one tablespoon per 500 pounds of body weight per day. Uh, so if you've got a, you know, your typical, you know, thousand pound horse, you'd wanna make sure that you're giving them one tablespoon of salt in the morning, one tablespoon of salt at night. Um, and I like to offer the salt as a top dress on the feed rather than as a white salt block because um, not all horses lick blocks willingly. And also that way, uh, you know that you're getting that salt into that horse and that he's actually eating it. And then lastly, in horses with PPID, um, their ability to absorb nutrients can really decrease due to age. And um, along with the changes to the nutrient absorbing microvilli lining um, the digestive tract. So basically if, by adding digestive support, you can really help those horses improve their digestive uh, efficiency and help them really get more uh, nutrients out of the diet. So the other important component of uh, managing PPID is the maintenance um, of, of just the, the general health care and the general management of that horse. So pay very close attention to vaccination and deworming. Um, make sure that you are, you know, using pro proper medical treatment. I mean, if, if your veterinarian does prescribe um, Prescend or a drug for that horse, make sure to use it um, exactly as directed. And then also make sure that you're providing um, excellent hoof care for these horses. 
So like I said, they are predisposed to laminitis. Um, just letting those hooves grow just a little bit too long puts a lot of mechanical pressure um, on that front wall of that hoof. And that can just be extra added stress to that sensitive lamina within the foot that you just do not need to add to a horse who's already battling and dealing with the potential for laminitis. Um, so good husbandry practices uh, to reduce the symptoms of, of Cushing's. Uh, some examples of those would be, you know, change the bedding frequently in the stalls. Uh, you want to avoid making those horses stand around in wet stalls. They've got us, they're, they're urinating much more often than normal horses. So you're going to have to clean their stall more often than normal horses. Um, and standing around in an excessively wet stall can actually lead to hoof problems. Um, and then also respiratory issues just from breathing in that excess ammonia. Uh, you want to, um, you know, consider body clipping uh, throughout the year as needed. Uh, just make sure that that horse isn't carrying around a bunch of excess hair, um, especially during the hot months. Um, make sure that, you know, they're, they're able to cool their bodies as needed. And then on that topic, you know, don't be afraid to go ahead and, and give them a cold bath, you know, hose them down. You know, if you see that they're sweating excessively in hot water, um, just take a little bit of extra effort and give those horses a cool bath and then be sure, of course, to blade the water off when you're done. Um, again, consistent monitoring for signs of infection. So like I said, these horses uh, do not have a, a very strong immune system. So you know, don't be afraid to, you know, I mean, monitor their temperature. So take, take a rectal temperature often and just make sure that, that everything is on par, uh, make sure they haven't developed some kind of an infection and are dealing with the temperature. Uh, again, I'm gonna touch on just regular dental care. Um, these horses, uh, they, they need regular dental care because like I said, they, um, even just small impactions or small things that a horse could normally fend off, uh, their system is compromised. So small things can actually turn into a large infection um, and, and a large problem for these horses. And then of course, reduce stress whenever possible. Um, the reason for that is because the, um, the stress hormone cortisol uh, elevates significantly in the body when those horses are under stress. And if you think back to the beginning of the presentation, uh, those cortisol levels are part of the problem here in these PPID horses. And then lastly, you just want to make sure that you're providing um, them a lot of room for free movement. Um, you know, give them a little turnout time, maybe give them a little light work, um, but just allow them to really be able to get out and exercise um, as much as, as they can. So for more information on PPID uh, or for help determining a nutrition program that best suits the needs of a horse that you may be uh, caring for, feel free to reach out to um, Blue Bonnet Feeds or Stride Animal Health. Uh, we do offer free nutritional consults. Uh, so um, visit either of those websites, websites bluebonnetfeeds.com or strideanimalhealth.com uh, for more information. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, 
no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.